never mind. We're failing life. We're failing life. Uh, November. It's a month of failures. <laughs> the election. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. That's a good excuse. Uh, we're not on time because the election. Honestly, we're waiting for that Florida recount. We're just... <laughs> Guys, this is a very important recount, you know? I, I'm counting. I'm ca- <laughs> They called me in. I'm very good at counting. I'm I'm not. <laughs> they actually just let me go. Once you get count. to six, you're yeah. like, ah! <laughs> Eight. No. No, 12. They're like, ah! They're like, Gavin, get out. Yeah. Hi, Louie. Hi, Gavin. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I, I feel like November is a very, like, warm and toasty season. Yeah. The, today was the first day I put my heater on. See, we're refusing to do that oh, for the moment. Okay. We're trying our best. Oh, and, no, yeah. I yeah. Uh, uh, was holding out as long as I could. We're still was... paying our electric bill from the AC months. Mm, right. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, living I... in New York is a, a adventure. <laughs> Other word is um the worst. The worst, yes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I feel like it's, it's only in Just New because York... you came from a place and by that I, I mean California when you live there that doesn't have seasons I know thank god and now it's on fire so <laughs> yeah. you're an asshole <laughs> I'm the worst you're the worst have we have we hit all of the current event topics let's yeah, see yeah. election wildfires yeah. um, welcome we're the mixed reviews we're, everyone <laughs> we're the mixed reviews we're a podcast where we take a film subject such as an actor director or a genre mm-hmm. and we talk about what we think works best and what we think doesn't work we usually take two weeks, but you know what? We're taking our time for this one. Yeah, it's honestly, a this episode deserves it. Oh, absolutely. Um, before we get into this week's episode, not this week's, this episode, this episode, this episode, whatever week this is, <laughs> um, we have some old business. Let me pull it up. Um, every week we ask you guys to. Go- is it is it old business if they never age and they never die? Wow, <laughs> deep thinking here on the mixed reviews. Um, is it like ageless? Business. Ageless business. Um, if I could ever find it. Why am I bad at Twitter is my first question. Um, I mean, I've been wondering that since I started following you. True. <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so mean. <laughs> no one follows me. <laughs> um, we asked you guys, uh, on our last episode to vote for your favorite, uh, vampire movie. In last place was Interview with a Vampire with 18%. Um, 27% came, uh, What We Do in the Shadows, which was Gavin's pick. And, um, my pick, Bram Stoker's Dracula, came at 34%. Gavin also <laughs> chose that. Yeah, I actually, uh, in the poll voted for Bram Stoker's Dracula, too. Excellent, just... excellent. Um, significantly, uh, we have 20% voted for other. Um, just because the field is so large of vampire movies, I was like, I don't know what to put there. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put in other and see what happens. Uh, my good friend Maria's voted for the little vampire. <laughs> Keith Walker said, uh, mentioned Carl Dreyer's vampire and, uh, Paul Morrissey's blood for Dracula, which both actually got a mention in the episode and were left on the cutting room floor. You're so ruthless in that. Edit. I am. <laughs> Justice for Queen of the Damned. <laughs> I, I agree. And I, and I felt really bad because you said some really wonderful things about Aaliyah, but something must go. Something must go. <laughs> and it was that. I mean, because the movie's not good. So it's yeah, fine. exactly. It's exactly. Um, someone mentioned uh, Mom's Got a Date with a Vampire, which is a Disney original. Yes. And I did come across that during research. So I. Uh... Caroline Ray. So good. <laughs> Um, and then also someone, um, did <laughs> respond with a gif from Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter, and for that, I am very grateful. <laughs> I love a good hot Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> uh, but that's enough of vampires. We are, yeah, we are done with the spooky season. Yeah, the undead is over, mm-hmm. the very much living. Yes. Living like a fine fucking wine. Yes, please. Today we're here to talk about 
Viola Davis. Miss Viola Davis, actual queen, um, just like force to be reckoned with on the screen and stage. Force is such a good way to describe her because really when she comes into a film, regardless of what the role is, and let me tell you, she's been a working actress for a very long time. Yeah. Regardless of what the role is, your attention goes to her. Yeah, totally. It's uh, funny. When we decided to talk about her, I was worried that, like, maybe... Because you just feel that there's so much left in her. Yeah. Um. Uh, all the research I was doing, people were saying, you know, this is an overnight success that happened, like, at the age of 45. You know, and she's been working for such a long right. time and grinding um, stuff out. And it's insane. Like, her big break... Everyone was just like, oh shit, like, who is this woman? One of my favorite things about the overnight success narrative, by the way, is that when that's said to her face by interviewers, I love that she pushes back on it. I love that she's like, I've been in this business for 30 years. I, I don't believe I'm the best out there at all. I am not a legend in my own mind. I know that there are great actors out there. There could be lots of people who are better, okay? I know that there are pitfalls in my life and everyone's life, but at the end of the day, I'm going to say everything wonderful in my life, I deserve it. And I deserve it because I worked for it. I worked for every single part of it. None of it just came naturally or easily to me. I, I worked for my relationship. I worked for it. I, I was out there in the trenches working on myself, doing therapy, Um, really holding myself accountable for every relationship that I had that didn't work. I put it on myself. Um, Everything financially that's happened in my life. Um, I've I've been out there in the trenches in terms of the work and acting for 30 years, working in church basements, taking um, buses for five hours a day just to do a play because of the love of it. Mm -hmm. You know, getting horrible reviews, admitting that I've been bad at certain things. But I have done it because I've always wanted to get better. I always wanted to learn. And because I always just wanted to be an actor. So this feels like this is the gift that it's like they say, the happily ever after comes after you've done the work. I've done the work. I deserve it. Her career is a combination of hard work. She's earned that sort of overnight sensation that has been given to her she's earned everything because she worked so hard i mean she's talked about like there have been shows i've been on where like i'm just like in the corner with like a mask on how many how many (laughs) with a mask on she's like a nurse and like literally i I mean no i agree but i just things i instantly started like yep yep um (laughs) i mean how many films did you end up having to watch where she's just like a cop, yeah, or a, a best friend, or you I know. Mean, and she talks about this like anyone, any like where it's kind of like a token black person yes. who doesn't, who isn't sexualized, who doesn't have like feelings. All they can, all they do, like, but every time you see like a judge or a cop that's played by a black person, they just kind of like dispense like kind of this like very bland faux like wisdom or justice. Yes, and that's exactly what it is. It's that like. Oh, I have this otherworldly wisdom because I am the other. Or all that they have is like professionalism. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> I'm a professional nurse and he, the blood bleed. Like, you know, all they have are like their professional things and there's nothing really two dimensional about them at all. And it's so frustrating. And I bet you there's so many fucking idiots out there who are kicking themselves because now she is just like, Oh yeah. One of um, our greatest actresses, you know, of the generation. Like when you talk about the Meryl Streep's, of our world, like, Viola is right there with her. 
Um, it's unbelievable. Also, they're really good friends, and that makes me so happy. <laughs> I read an article recently that referred to her as her awards rival, and I was like, ooh, ooh. girl. I bet you. <laughs> but, like, I know, like, Viola Davis apparently loves having people over and hosting, like, dinner parties. Um, and I can just imagine her being like, Meryl, come over, I'm making dinner. And then just, like, hanging out and being like, I don't know, comparing where they keep their, like, statues. I don't know, like, who did you get to, like, build your statuette um, cabinet? I don't know. Um, all good things. Um, so with all that said, um, let's get into our rewind with Viola Davis. I have the supreme pleasure um, and truly it was a pleasure to like learn about her because this woman is just so complicated and complex and um, I don't think we've ever done anyone who has a past quite like hers. Right. Um, so Viola Davis was born in St. Matthews, uh, South Carolina on August 11th, 1965. Um, she is a daughter of Mary Alice and Dan Davis. Um, her dad was a horse trainer and um, gr- like groomer, essentially just like a uh, um a handyman on this like racetrack and her mom was a maid and factory worker um her mom was also like big in the civil rights movement and there's a really great story about how the mom got arrested um during uh, a protest and vi- uh, like a two-month-old viola was with her and went to jail with her um very shortly after she was born the family relocated to central falls rhode island um and the story goes that their family went to central falls and it was the first black family to ever live in oh central God. falls rhode island um they chose it because they thought they can get um, better work there um and there was going to be a statue to them one day <laughs> <laughs> well right um the uh two very big racetracks are in that area there's narragansett park that's uh, so sorry. I know, I'm not trying to interrupt you. That is so crazy. That's what the 60s, yeah, the 1960s. That that's less. I mean, that's a little over 50 years ago. Yeah, no, what? I mean, and we'll talk about more later about. I mean, the roles that she's taken and right. and t- talking about like the maid that she's played and just like how easy it is for her to like go back and like literally. These are things that her grandmother lived through. Yeah. Um, and how um, uh, Jim Crow and all these things are very close in- to her, like, generation. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's really fucking insane. If you can imagine, like, going to a town and you are the only other, that that was them. They were the, the first black family to live in Central Falls. Um, and she has two... And they only moved there with t- her and two of her sisters. Her older sister and brother were um, left in South Carolina with her grandparents. Um, and they were beyond poor. They were in abject poverty. They lived in a um, condemned building that was boarded up, didn't have electricity or heat. Um, and that's the only place that they could have, like, well, I say afford to live, but, like, right. they couldn't afford anything. My dad had a fifth grade education. My dad, My mom has an eighth grade education. My dad learned how to read by looking at billboards. They were happy that I wanted to be anything. I grew up in poverty. You know, I grew up in apartments that were condemned and rat infested. um, And I just always sort of wanted to be somebody. And um, I just wanted to be good at something. When they had school lunch, that was their, like, primary source of food for the entire day. Um, there's a really good uh, article on from The New Yorker, um, and it is called um, Viola Davis's Call to Adventure. Um, it's written by John Lair. Uh, it's a couple years old, 
but he gets so many um amazing stories um from Viola's life as a young a girl uh, in Central Falls which and so they moved there because it was the smallest and most densely populated city in the state um and they in the building that's condemned they were rats infested the entire building and would eat the faces off of um her dolls and her and her sister had to go to bed every night with rags wrapped around their necks so they would not bite them while they were sleeping. And I don't want to say, like, you know, it's it takes um uh, all this, like, tragedy to make someone, like, a great artist. I don't think that's true at all. But when you see her and her um generosity of spirit and, like, all of her um sincerity, like, you know, like, this is where it comes from. Um, She said she was a very bad student in, in school. Um, she went to detention every day and she was talking back all the time and she really didn't fit in. Um, white boys would chase her and her sisters around, calling them the N-word, um, and throwing rocks at them. Um, that a lot of the time they didn't have soap or hot water. Uh, they were smart academically, but just were so full of shame and right. were trying to, I mean, she says, I reeked of urine. We'd go to school smelling and teachers would pull them aside and talk to them about hygiene thinking that they were like, you know, and, and if you can imagine, these are the only black kids in school. Right. And they smell like urine and they're so like, uh, emaciated, like from not eating. It's just like, it, I can only imagine how fucking awful, like, it's just like a cycle that this is never ending, you know? Yeah. Um, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. She's at eight years old. I had a filthy mouth. Um, I, I would hear them behind me. You ugly, you black N word, you ugly, you black N word. I felt them grab me. And I said, if you touch me again, I'm going to stab you to death. Um, and like she had to become this kind of hard person at right. like eight years old, which is impossible to think of. Yeah, it's insane. Um, it was when she was around, uh, and also uh, on top of this, her father was a drunk, um, was abusive towards his uh, her towards her mother. And if you've seen Fences, um, right. with Denzel Washington, I imagine it's very like that, where you just don't know when the anger is gonna come, how much. Um, your father's had to drink. Right. Um, you know, how long it's going to last. Um, I imagine it was very much like that. Um, her and her sister, though, um, when they were nine years old, they entered a skit contest and they, um, won. <laughs> um, and they like, and, and, um, Viola talks about how she, um, and her sister would actually write scripts and pretend they had these two characters. I think it's, uh, Jaja and Gia. Um, and they pretend. I to- love them. Where did they place on Drag Race this year? <laughs> yeah, they, they're coming back for All Stars Four. Yeah. Oh, good. good. Um, they, uh, yeah, Jaja and Jaji. Sorry, um, they were rich white Beverly Hills uh, matrons with big jewels and little chihuahuas. Essentially, they were playing pretend and uh, essentially escaping um, and telling themselves, "We're not poor. We're these rich, famous white ladies." Um, and. <laughs> That's, I mean, that's what I do every day. Well, so. Same. I, every time I walk down the streets in New York City, I'm just like, I'm white, I'm, I'm rich, rich, I'm famous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and and this is when she started realizing that she could disassociate from herself into um, get outside of her own body. Um, and she, through this acting, she discovered a healthier way to get outside of herself. Um, and so she, they did this skit, and they won. They won a plastic baseball bat that they used to literally kill rats in their apartment. So cool. <laughs> um, when Viola was 14 years old, though, she enrolled in an acting class through um, the federal program Upward Bound, which I remember from my high school. Yeah. It's, you know, for um, low-income 
at-risk youth to kind of just like get on track. And through that, she f- went to her first acting class where um, it was run by Ron Stetson, who kind of was just like a, also a struggling actor um, in the area. And he kind of just like laid in into all of them saying like, do who wants to be an actor? And all the kids threw their hands up. And then he's like, you have to do this every day. You will get shit on you like, and just really beat them down. And um, the way Viola tells it, she says at the end of the class, she was the only one still holding her hand up. And through Ron Stetson, a teacher, she goes to his alma mater, um, which was Rhode Island College. And she graduated um, and she got a full scholarship right. to go to Rhode Island College. And she got her Bachelor of Arts in 1988. And by fucking God, she got um, chosen from a thousand applicants. Two dozen were selected to go to Juilliard. And, yeah. she, and she got one. And she did all four years. Yeah, she yeah. did all four years. And I mean, it, uh, the trajectory, you know, just of yeah. like being from like poverty below, like having nothing, nothing. And just, like, finding a way to, like, get out of yourself and not yeah. think too hard about your and, circumstances. And none of that is easy. It's easy for us to read it yeah. and or impart it back to you in the audience. But, uh, yeah, none of... I mean, that is... That's a miracle yeah. in itself. Yeah. With I mean, everything that she had to go through to get where she is. My journey as an actor came from me just wanting to do something, wanting to get out, wanting to be great at something, wanted to do the great works of Arthur Miller and Shakespeare and Chekhov and all of that. So I went to acting school and I and and I just wanted everyone else to think that I was great. So whatever they told me to do, I did and I perfected. How do I perfect it? How do I get standard American speech? How do I use my voice? How do I do this? Ba 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 ba. And then when I got out of school, I just needed to work because you haven't done anything. If you haven't done anything, let me tell you something. Most people will say, just go out there and do it and blah, 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 blah. That's true. Absolutely true. One hundred percent. But more than likely is going to be hard. You're looking at a profession where literally with acting, less than one percent of the people make 50 grand a year or more. Less than one percent. The rest, most of them don't even, can't even make enough to make health insurance, which is $11,000 a year. But what happens when you love it and you keep doing it and doing it and God intervenes and comes down and all of a sudden you take off? That's when your shit has got to kick in. Okay? That's when you have to be the artist that you and the person that, that you that you've always wanted to be. That's when you have to find a voice that separates you from the rest. What is it? It's Sanford Meisner always said it. It's the most powerful thing. The most powerful question you can ask is why. And that was me. Why do I have to lose weight? Why is it that I have um, a deep voice and a wide nose and people keep saying, but your character, you're not pretty, so you understand you can't be the love interest. Why can't I be the love interest? Why not? And all of a sudden, something opened in me that said where I'm at, my voice, whatever, I could do whatever I want with the character and I can make it my own. I can just go out there and slay dragons. It's like, you know, it's like Elizabeth says, it's like Michelle says, fear. It's, it's like they say courage is fear with prayer. So you have to have the courage. You know exactly what kind of artist you want to be. There is nothing that's going to tell me that you don't. You just have to have the courage to be able to step out and do it. 
And, and that means you have a whole lot of people around you going, what the hell are you doing that for? Because I want to. Because when I go to my grave, that's what I want. That's, that's me. That's what's going to make And the one thing I want to, like, stress is, you know, Upward Bound is a federal yeah. program. Yeah. And, like, it's just shows, like, these programs that are, that help with the arts and helping yeah. kids, like, get out of, of the streets and, like, poverty, they work. And yeah. this, like, Viola Davis is a, um, like, an amazing success story for something for, I mean, for everyone who's like, oh, just, like, pick up your bootstraps and do the work. Like, no, I that's know. not fucking real. Like, Ugh. this was a federal program that helped out a young girl who literally had no way out yeah. of her circumstances. That's why it's so frustrating when, you know, politicians are like, oh, if you, if you get a job, you get the feeling of providing for family yourself. Right. And it's like, the reason there's these assistant programs... Uh, yeah, and, and, and to get to Juilliard, you know, right. like, it, it wasn't just like a random thing. It was, she was able to go to get a full scholarship to go to Rhode right. Island. I got scholarships through the Upward Bound and Preparatory Enrollment Program. Mm. There were programs created in the 60s to help people who were disadvantaged to experience the college atmosphere. So I went, that's how I went to Rhode Island College on scholarship. And then from there, after being trained, to go to this, like, I mean, the most prestigious, like, acting school right. in America, maybe the world. Um, and it was at Juilliard, though, she kind of, um, she, she struggled. Yeah. Um, I think she, uh, it was more and more she's getting closer to, like, the real world and real acting world. And she realized, I am a dark-skinned black woman that is never going to get cast um, in, 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 are there no roles for me? And um, she said that her teachers focused on her um, weaknesses, um, that she wasn't light enough, that she had too much gravitas, that she was very showy, and they thought that that meant she didn't have any technique, um, and that she carried herself like she was, you know, like she owned everything. Um, and so she, she, she says, if you were emotional, if you were vulnerable, then that did not show technique. Um, it wasn't until the second year, Juilliard gave her a grant to go do um, a two-week study of dance, music, and folklore in Gambia. And she said going to Gambia just, like, changed her life. Um, it was an antidote to the kind of, like, plain, um, very orthodox view of um, acting and, like, yeah. experience in, Ju uh, in Juilliard. So um, she says it wasn't about technique. It was about the soul. Um, it, there's zest for life. Their need to connect to each other and to God. Everything they did was with extreme passion. And reading that and hearing her say that, I'm, like, immediately, like, there with her with all of her acting because it's always just so grounded yeah and earthly and spiritual like i feel it so <laughs> aggressively um so not to say that she hated juilliard she says um she com she compares it to a cough store cough syrup unpleasant but useful um she says it was good to see how other people s saw me um because then i began to have an inner gauge as to how to direct myself how i'm coming off um Jokes on fucking Juilliard, because literally it was not three years after graduating in 1993 that she earned her first Tony Award nomination um, for a performance in Seven Guitars. Um, that's fucking wild. You know, I think a lot of uh, young graduates have a lot of anxiety about like, oh, no, I'm graduating. What's like my job? Right. She started working and just immediately like, I mean, not immediately, but sh she got to stage and is doing incredible work that's not only um, satisfying to her, but it's being recognized by her, by her peers. Um, 
She got her SAG card in 1996 for doing one day of work playing a nurse who passed a vial of blood to Timothy Hutton in the film The Substance of Fire. <laughs> uh, in 2001, um, she won her first Tony. Yeah. For, um, and a Drama Desk Award for um, King Hedley II. Now you done went down to the place to get an abortion without telling me. You can't just go get rid of Why? it. Why? Look at Natasha. I couldn't give her what she needed. Why well, I want to go back and do it again? I ain't got nothing else to give. I can't give myself. I'm going to give her. I don't understand what to do, how to be a mother. You either love too much or don't love enough. Don't seem like there's no middle ground. I look up. She's 10 years old. I'm still trying to figure out life, figure out what happened. Next thing I know, she grown talking about she a woman. Just because you can lay down and open your legs to a man, don't make you a woman. I tried to tell her that. She's a baby. She don't know nothing about life. What she know? Who taught her? I'm trying to figure it out myself. Time I catch up, it's moved on to something else. And... For the joys of my life, my love, Julius Tenen, and my family, the Davis family, especially mom and dad, Dan and Mary. I know you're so excited watching right now. And I just want to tell you, after so many years of being proud of me, I want to tell you that I'm very proud of you. Thank you. She just really hit the ground running and doing these plays and getting, I mean... <laughs> And listening to her Tony Award, like, acceptance speech, she's won two Tonys now. Yes. Um, she won, later won one for Fences with Denzel Washington. Um, but this first one, like, she looks so, I mean, she's so young and she's just like, and even, like I said, her, um, her family life was kind of crazy. There was no peace in her home, but she's still so grateful. Um, and she thanks her parents. She thanks all the people who, like, have taken her there. Uh, it's around this time also that she gets, um, her first TV gig. Or her significant TV gig, and it's in the CBS show City of Angels. Yes. Um, a medical drama, also casually starring Maya Rudolph. Yeah. I, I love that. I, one of the things I watched from that was the opening credits, and like every time there was a new person, I was like, what? Yeah. What? I was like, this person. <laughs> it's essentially CBS trying to do like a black hospital drama. Yeah. The, the other thing that's memorable about the show, cause it, it lasts, it lasted two seasons. Yeah. And I feel like people kind of treat, treat it as a blip but two seasons is is Not better enough. than than a lot of tv shows especially get. back in the, those days yeah a season was like 30 episodes yeah you know and um she met her husband yeah on the set of that yeah that's... and she tells a great story about how she met him do you remember the day you met him yeah craft services because i was eating a bagel <laughs> listen every day was about what was at craft services that was that was a time when i wasn't thinking about no diet so i was <laughs> Eating a cinnamon raisin bagel with tuna fish on it. Mm -hmm. If you've never had it, it's absolutely delicious. So, and complaining about Los Angeles, which I did on a day-to-day -day basis. <laughs> so, and what was what did you say to him? Was it hello? Anything. Was it what what? what I was didn't the... say anything to him. He came up to me and he he had his bag over his shoulder. And the first thought he was like, "Hey," because we had just did a scene. And the only thing I thought was, "He's good looking." He's really good looking. But then he gave me his card. He said, I heard you doing that from Los Angeles. You know, I'll take you to Santa Monica Pier. You ever been to Santa Monica Pier? And I was like, no. He said, let me give you my card. And I was like, a card? I was really not at feeling LA. I said, he's going to give me a card and he's not going to have a shirt on because this been so many people gave me that card and they didn't have a shirt on. But I have to say, all the anxiety and the angst and all of those things that I had, the the minute 
we started dating, which was the first time I called him, all of it went away. And I'm not trying to sound kumbaya. His energy, his exuberance, his the absolute amount of love and kindness he had, it just transformed me immediately. She's starting to get like very minor roles in um film. Steven Soderbergh casts her like three times. A lot. Yeah. Um and I, I when I first got into this and I wasn't really doing research, I, I you know, because I, I start fresh and then I slowly do the research over the time. I was like, it's it's weird that she she got all these random roles and then I his name kept popping up and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And not only did he cast her three times, she's also uncredited as the parole voice at the very beginning of Ocean's Eleven. Just around, like, yeah, yeah, casual. And I like that she has this relationship with this auteur director, but also, why can't he find a better fucking role for her? I think I read somewhere that he has said that he liked her voice. Ah. And that's why he kept casting her, but, like, not really. Because like so, she's, she's fine in Solaris, but it's not a huge role, yeah, you know? Yeah, so like, she's in Solaris, she's an out-of-sight um, which is her first Jennifer Lopez yes. movie she's in. Um, and she's she, good and out of sight, but once again, it's not a huge role. You yeah, know? she's in Traffic um, and Syriana. Yes. Um, she also had very brief performances in Kate and Leopold, Antoine Fisher. Um, she had a secondary role in Far From Heaven, which was in 2002. And she also, um, like every New York actor, she was on Law & Order SVU. Um, but hers <laughs> is a little different. Than other actors, because she played a recurring role for five years on Law & Order SVU. And the thing that gets her to leave Law & Order SVU is doubt. Speaking of doubt, so in 2008, her breakthrough role is with none other Meryl Streep herself. Yeah. Um, in uh, Which, and, and interestingly enough, doubt is a play. Yes. Um, and it becomes a movie, um, and she plays... Mrs. Miller. I don't think she has a first name. In I it. don't think she does either. And it's not, um, in, in terms of her career, th- this should be a blip, but it's not, but it absolutely is not. Yeah. And it just shows like what a beast she yeah. is because she has one scene. Yeah. It is a nine minute scene. And let me tell you, I wish I could play all nine minutes of yeah. it on this. I'm not gonna, but I wish I could. And you know what? Amy Adams is also in this movie. Is and- she though? Because once Viola Davis sweeps in, it's like Amy who? It's Philip Seymour. What? Okay, so first of all, I don't think Philip Seymour Hoffman is very good in this movie. <laughs> um, second of all, Amy Adams is fine, but literally, so like everyone in this fucking cast gets uh, like nominated for an award. Viola Davis for her one scene, yeah, gets nominated for best supporting actress, which is what a true supporting actress should do. Yes, like come in, have a scene, elevate the entire movie, yeah, and then go away. It's it's like a fine movie up until she shows up, but she comes in and she she el- it, like you said she elevates it and it becomes art. Yeah, it's, it's very that because like I'd never seen this movie before. I I remember watching the Oscars that year and everyone's like, "Oh my god, Viola Davis has one scene and she fucking kills it." The movie is very fine, but I was like, I was like, "What's going on?" I mean, Amy Adams isn't particularly good in this. She also got a nomination, which is insane because like her next to Viola Davis in this movie is like, "Bitch, yeah. please, yeah. like you really tried it." You know about her Academy Award nomination? I have such doubts. <laughs> I have doubts. <laughs> um. So she has one scene and it's incredible and it, it, she kind of like, I mean, and she's up and, and the scene is up against Meryl Streep. Yeah. You know? Um, and it, it, it gives 
it gives the American audience or, or worldwide audience like just a glimpse of what we're going to get from her later because she's controlled. She's like, has this burning passion inside of her. She like knows exactly the temperature she needs to be yeah. at to like let things go and then bring it back in. And it's crazy too, because I think another actor, a, a less talented actor would come in and maybe play that role as kind of a build. And mm-hmm. it it's what's great about Viola's performance is it's not a build. It is like you mentioned, it, it oscillates. Yeah. So she knows where to be steady and she knows when to let things burst through and then come back down. Yeah. It's, it's so brilliant. It, yeah. I have a process. One of the things I do when I collaborate is whatever the actor gives me, I use, I don't, go home and prepare a performance and then come to the set and use that performance that I prepared at home. Whatever I work with at home, I only I only take it to a certain extent. And then when I go on stage, I prepare myself for the fact that the actor may give me something completely different. Because what has happened in the past, and I see it with other actors, they'll tell another actor how to act. And the reason why they do that is because they've already planned what they want to do, and that other actor, whatever they're giving them, is interfering with that. That's not how it works. you got to say yes to your partner. If they're giving you a line in a certain way, guess what? you got to get up off your A-double snakes and use that. That's my process of, of collaboration. I will say also... Um this uh, role is like the first of her kind of like black mother of a certain age yeah. and a certain time period, which she revisits um, a yeah. couple of more times, um, probably because she does it so fucking well. Um, but uh, it's, it is like, if there was going to be, um, you know, a lane that like Hollywood is trying to put her in, like, right. This is it. Yeah. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that more later. We'll see. Um, so that was in 2008, and during that, like, um, award season, um, Meryl Streep is winning a bunch of awards or whatever, and she gives a speech saying, just, like, gushing over Viola Davis and being like, God, someone give her a movie. So in 2010, um, she wins her second Tony Award for playing, um, Rose Maxson in the revival of August Wilson's Fences, um, and she stars in it with, um, Denzel Washington. Um, she is the second African American woman to win, um, the award for, um, I guess it's the lead role or yeah. featured whatever, um, after Felicia Rashad. Yeah, after Felicia Rashad, which also is fucking insane. Yeah. I think a lot about like how I, I often think that the Tonys are more, I don't know, diverse, yeah. maybe, but they come from a more liberal world. Yeah. But even then, like, Jesus Christ. The Tonys have been going on forever, and we have two black women who've won yeah. awards. Like, it's not that much better than the fucking Oscars. In 2011, though, she gets, like, the big movie that uh, Meryl is, is, you know, wished into the universe for her. And she's in Tate Taylor's um, The Help. Yeah. Um, which is an adaptation of uh, Catherine Stockett's novel. She plays Abilene Clark, which is a, a maid um, in the 1960s in Mississippi. And she's talked a lot about how... She was nervous about taking the role. Yeah. Um, she knew that there would be backlash. I, it's funny. I've, I've heard her sort of speak on both sides of that. Yeah. She, um, she definitely has said she enjoyed working with everyone. She, I mean, when she wins her Oscar for Fences, right. she gives a kiss to Emma Stone, who she worked with in The Help. Um, Emma Stone is kind of like the white person we like 
the audience is supposed to like see this world through, um, who essentially is writing the, yeah, the stories yeah, of these black the, people. And, and that's my problem with the film is it ultimately is a, becomes a white savior narrative and not necessarily totally. about the maids. Uh, but I've heard her give really great defenses of it, but also most recently, yeah, because she's been making press rounds because she has a new movie coming out. Um, somebody asked her if she ever passed on a role she regretted and she responded with an almost better question is, have her done roles that I've regretted? I have. And the help is on that list, but not in the terms of the experience and the people involved because they're all great. The friendships that I formed are the ones that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I had a great experience with those other actresses and are, they're extraordinary human beings. And I could not have asked for a better collaborator than Tate Taylor. I just felt that at the end of the day, it wasn't the voices of the maids that were being heard. I know Abeline. I know Minnie. They're my grandma. They're my mom. And I know that if you do a movie where the whole premise is, I want to know what it feels like to work for white people and to bring up children in 1963, I want to hear how you really feel about it. I never heard that in the course of the movie. Right. I think that's really astute. Yeah. I mean, so she's not saying she has like a... She's, it's almost like she's regretful of how the story was structured. Yeah. It's like, and, and I mean, because, because the whole point of the help is, you know, this white journalist and she's going to help these maids tell their stories. And so it's, um, like, I think she's fucking amazing in the role and she was robbed of her Oscar from none other than Meryl Streep for Iron Lady, which is so fucking like Meryl. <laughs> this is off the rails, but Viola Davis snatched the Golden Globe. The SAG award, like every award leading up to the Oscars, she beat Meryl. And then at the Oscars, Viola Davis with her beautiful shaved head wearing a beautiful green dress. I'm expecting her to win the Oscar. Everyone's expecting her to win the Oscar. It's for lead actress. Um, which I guess no one has won since Halle Berry for a black woman. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to happen. And then fucking Meryl Streep wins. All I have to say, the help is a complicated, um, I think, she, I think she has complicated feelings about it. Um, for me, I think she's very good in it. Yes, she's great in it. Yeah. Um, I don't think the, the movie, you know, the movie yeah. has issues for sure. That year was, uh, she was named, um, to a Times most influential people in the world. Um, she was named Glamour Magazine's, um, film actress of the year. Um, I mean, 2012 is just like, she, that's, I think, what everyone was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. This is a woman, an actor to be reckoned with. And who we want to see more of. And honestly, it's, uh, I mean, we're still in it, I think. Oh, there's a lot of really amazing black actresses that have now alongside her, um, who are getting the opportunities to, um, shine. Yeah. And show us their talent. Um, and get recognition for really good work. In t- 2014, she, um, gets How to Get Away with Murder. Yeah. Um, a huge show on ABC. She wins a bunch of awards. And I'll be honest, I really like when she talks about it. I don't think the show is high art by any means. No. But I like the idea that she is playing a character that she thinks, you know, some young girl could see her on TV and be like, oh, oh that, that that's a, a person I want to be. Also, that's around that time, she stops wearing wigs to award events. Mm, cool. And I've heard her talk about how important that move was for her. I took off my hair, I took off my wig, because um, I wanted to step into who I was. Mm. And I felt like, and listen, I love wigs. I do. I I still will wear a wig every once in a while. I'm wearing a weave right now, so just so you know. (laughs) 
But for me, what I felt like was every time I put on a wig that I was apologizing for who I was, being a dark-skinned woman, uh, very curly hair, I felt like I was hiding it. And I felt like I was saying that, okay, my characters aren't very glamorous, but look at me, you know, see me, aren't I pretty? And I felt like I didn't want to do that anymore. And I felt that like the Oscars was a perfect time to do that. So I stepped into who I was. And this is, and this is a conversation for another day and another podcast, but you know, film itself is inherently racist. It, a lot of film is not produced in a way that's great for black skin yeah it's made for white people and i think that's why it's so important um who's the cinematographer like the woman who got nominated for an oscar for mudbound yes um she's worked on all these um majority black casts because at because black directors trust her to light them well. 100%. Rachel Morrison, by the way, is, is a cinematographer for Mudbound. Mudbound, yeah, right. And she also, I think she also worked on Black Panther. Um, yes, she did, yeah. Like you said, film is inherently racist, and I think that's why it's so important to have, like, more diverse people behind this the screen and, like, making movies as well to give um, actors of all colors, like, the beautiful uh, treatment that white actors get all the fucking time. Yeah. Um, so in 2015, uh, <laughs> Viola Davis becomes the first black woman of any nationality to win primetime Emmy Award for outstanding lead actress in a drama series. I was actually at that Emmy ceremony. Yes, you were. Um, and it was incredible. Her speech at this Emmy Awards is unbelievable. The only thing that separates women of color from anyone else is opportunity. You cannot win an Emmy for roles that are simply not there. So here's to all the writers, the awesome people that are Ben Sherwood, Paul Lee, Peter Nowak, Shonda Rhimes, people who have redefined what it means to be beautiful, to be sexy, to be a leading woman to be black. And to the Taraji P. Hensons, the Kerry Washingtons, the Halle Berrys, the Nicole Baharis, the Megan Goods, to Gabrielle Union, thank you for taking us over that line. Thank you for the Television Academy. Thank you. There's a great reaction shot of Taraji just, like, clapping her fucking ass yeah. off and just being like, yes. I mean, Taraji, who just lost to yes. Viola Davis. Yes, that's the <laughs> makes it even better. Um, and, and Viola has talked a lot about how she knows the weight on her shoulders. She yeah. knows that she is representing so many black women who look, look like her, and she wants to be this beacon. She wants to blaze this trail. Um, and speaking of blazing trails, her and her husband thus start their own production company, um, Juvie Productions, and they put out a um, couple of movies. So she puts out um, a movie with Jennifer Lopez called Lila and Eve. In 2015, or 2016, she puts out a movie called Custody. Uh, it's a courtroom drama. Um, and uh, uh, she... So yeah, I mean, this is just like, she's she's at the peak of her powers now. Yeah. Essentially. I mean, that essentially gets us to, uh, you know, last year uh, and this year. So in 2017, she puts out Fences becomes a 
um, movie. Yeah, it's it's the first of what should or supposedly is going to be uh, Denzel Washington adapting all of August Wilson's plays for the screen through HBO. But Fences was his negotiation point that it was going to be theatrical and it was going to be the first one. Yeah, and he directed it. Yes, as well. And um, if you haven't seen Fences. Like, it's, it's almost like, so you want to act. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, here... it's funny. I, I think Fences is, is a, is a marvelous filmed play. I, I, I wish Denzel had tried harder to make it a movie. That's my only complaint. Yeah. I think the acting is top notch, but it, fe- it's so theatrical. And so, like, oh. I just wish it was more I filmic. I think he almost was like, Fuck that. I'm yeah. going to give me and Viola, like, just room to play. Yeah. Because truly, it's, just, it's like acting 101 and, like, it, you need a master class yeah. of act, like, just watch the both of them. But her performance is so good. Yeah. Fucking yeah. incredible. Um, and so for that, uh, performance, she wins the best supporting actress in the Oscars, um, in 2017, I guess. Um, which I think I wish she would have just put herself in lead actress because I believe in my fucking heart. That she would have beat Emma Stone in La La Land. <laughs> I be- like I I know she probably was like, okay, bitch. Like I'm not gonna get, you know, my trophy snatched away this year. I'm gonna go in supporting instead of lead. But man, if there's a world where Viola Davis cannot beat Emma Stone for lead actress, I don't want to live in it. <laughs> so if you've been paying attention, by the way, in terms of awards, you'll notice at this point, um, Viola Davis has the triple crown. Which yeah. is the Oscar, the Emmy, and the Tony. She does not have an EGOT. And as she's famously said in many interviews that she cannot sing. <laughs> um, which is really hilarious because one of her earlier films, by the way, is Life is Not a Fairy Tale, the Fantasia Barino story, oh, where good. she plays Fantasia's mother and she has many songs. And to this day, and I have spent days searching for this, I cannot find who dubbed her singing voice. So I am led to believe she can sing. What is the truth? Yeah, what is the truth? But she says she can't, so she doesn't plan on winning a Grammy. But girl, record a book on tape. Hello. Do a uh, comedy album. And she has <laughs> and she has a great voice. She has a great voice. And, exactly. people, and people love her, so yeah. she, I, she she's gonna get that Grammy. She's gonna she, get it done. She's gonna EGOT. I mean also I will say EGOTing is fine, but like there are not a lot of people who have the triple, triple crown. Of no, yeah, acting. absolutely not. Because a lot of EGOT, like, there are not many EGOT people who win their Emmy, Grammy, right. uh, Oscar, or Tony, or whatever, most, for most, performing. Yeah, most of them most, are musicians. Yeah, I was going to say, most of the people that EGOT are musicians for, uh, you know, an Oscar yeah, for that. She's the first black actress to be nominated for three Academy Awards, um, and she's the only black person to have the Triple Crown. So, like, suck on that, yeah. guys. Um, oh, I'm not worried about her. I just think it's funny that people keep asking her about the EGOT. She's yeah. like, I'm not saying it for you. Right. <laughs> Um, the same year that she comes out with Fences, she is also in the, um, I don't know, like, uh, pretend movie Suicide Squad. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that certainly happened. Uh, she is Amanda Waller. Yeah. Um, and... You know what, though? And I've I've said this before. She's great in it. It's not a good movie by any means. She is ruthless. Yeah. I mean, Amanda Waller is a ruthless character. I mean, she, that was one of the things I found interesting about the, the interviews that she was doing around that time is she wouldn't necessarily talk about the movie, but she would talk more about how the, the role gave her the opportunity. She's like, Oh, I'm like, she's like, people think I'm this rough and tumble person. I'm not. I'm pretty meek. So to play a a woman who can walk into a room and like shoot everybody. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, she, 
definitely has said before that she's a very shy person. Yeah. And so, like, I imagine uh, if if a fucking, like, Suicide Squad script lands on your door and you get to play Amanda Waller, who is, like, she is a black woman in the comics. Yeah. You know, and she is a badass, ruthless womana. Yeah. Yeah, I'd take it too, girl. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, you know, the movie. Oh, I don't blame her. You know, the movie's gonna be shit, but, you know, that kind of gets us to today in her acting. Just really quickly, she also, um, announced that she would write a sequel to a cl- the classic picture book Corduroy called Corduroy Takes a Bow. And it actually just came out this past September. Oh, then great. You can go find, um, a children's book by Viola Davis out now. Um, she also is very um, involved in various philanthropy and activism things. She donated funds to Central Falls, Rhode Island, um, public library because the city ran out of funding and it was going to close down. And she said, I don't think so, honey. <laughs> she gave money to Central Falls High School for its theater program. Um, she works with the Hunger Is campaign to help eradicate childhood hunger across America. She said that, I mean, obviously she has experienced the poverty and hunger. Um, and she said that she wanted to join them in their cause because the word was eradicate, get rid of not by 30%, not by 20%, but to do with way with it completely. So, um, she, you know, has helped them raise tons of money. Um, I think she also, um, works a lot with, uh, sexual assaults, um, survivors and things of that nature. She is just an all around badass human being. She- and, and I like, I like when we talk about people's philanthropy because I think oftentimes people have a bad tendency to, to look at celebrities and be like, well, what else are you contributing besides my entertainment? And, uh, I mean, I often see on the, other side of political spectrum when they're telling celebrities that they're not al- that they're not allowed to talk about politics right. or not, and as if they're not human beings. Yeah, and I, I actually hate saying this. I have a, a relative who will remain nameless, um, sort of a distant mom. relative. No, no, <laughs> definitely not. My mom is a saint. Um, the uh, they posted a thing about how like you know they can't remember the last time that they needed an actor or a musician but they need that doctors and policemen and everything and it's like when you read a laundry list of charities and and money that she's given away out of the kindness of her heart not because she has to not because yeah. it really makes her look good because once again these things are not publicized as well as they should be right it, I don't know. That makes me happy. And it's like, no, you, you actually do need these actors. You yeah. do need these pay- people that are paid kind of an absorbent amount because they give back. Yeah. They do. And I think in her case, especially, she really came up through the system. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, and again, I, I guarantee Viola Davis, from everything we've learned these, over these weeks, had a harder upbringing than this person I was just talking about. <laughs> um, she's even, um, adopt, her and her, um, husband, Julius Tenen, uh, they adopted um, a daughter together, Genesis, and she says that they named her Genesis because it was the beginning of their life. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is, you know, and she talks about her a lot um, in her acceptance speeches and just how she is her whole world. And I think she's, um, in the article that I mentioned, she talks about how her house, she loves her house so much, and she fills it with lots of food and lots of things just because... Yeah. She didn't have that as a, yeah. as a, as a child. And, um, she loves cooking and having people over it. And I think a part of that is just like, she knows the struggle that she kind of like went through. She's proud. And, and, and I, she deserves to be. She has spoken facts about her parents and their, um, you know, lack of peace in the home or, or whatever. But I've never heard her say that my parents were bad. Right. My, like, you know, it was like, 
we do the best we can, um, your circumstances, however awful they might be. And, but, and now she's giving back to her community. She's giving back to like people that are afflicted in the same poverty that she was afflicted. Yeah. Um, and she's doing, I mean, she seems like such the consummate professional. I think that kind of wraps up our, uh, yeah, Viola, Viola, she's, she's really amazing and she's had a good career. So we should move into our reviews. So you want to start with our one star review? Yeah, let's do our one star reviews. My one star review was very easy for me and I feel bad, um, giving it to this because her role is so diminished in this film. Okay. But it is a genuinely not great performance from her because it feels like a role she's played a billion times and so therefore she coasted a little bit. But uh, my one-star review is the Nicholas Sparks adaptation, Knights in Rodanthe. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, okay, okay. So Knights in Rodanthe is not even a film about Viola Davis. Right. I was like, <laughs> I don't think she is the main person. <laughs> no. It is... Uh, who plays the leads in Knights in Rodanthe? Why, it is Diane Lane, who is lovely, radiant, and I'd take a bullet for. Okay. <laughs> and Richard Gere, who I would not <laughs> take a bullet for her. I would do things with Richard Gere. I mean, I would do that. I'm not, but I don't love him as much as... Diane um, Lane. Yeah, as Diane Lane. Um, and the very quick synopsis, essentially Diane Lane's a woman who's ha- having... A, she uh, separated from her husband who cheated on her, but now wants to get back together. And so she, to sort of think about things, takes over her friends in. Her friend is Viola Davis. Um... And Viola Davis plays Jean. She runs an inn out in Rodanthe. And she's going away to a conference or something. I can't remember. She said, the, because the narrative requires it, she's written out of the yeah, film. Right, right. So she's going away and she needs somebody to look at her, to watch over her inn during hurricane season. And nobody else is scheduled to be there except for Richard Gere's uh, Dr. Paul. Uh-oh, Dr. Paul. Dr. Paul. And so... Wanna look over the inn <laughs> with me? And so Diane Lane, um, like, runs this inn while he's there, and he's the only one there, and it's hurricane season, and they slowly fall in love over time, but then they have to split up, but they continue writing letters to each other. Diane Lane's life goes on about, you know, she, she gets a... She's trying to get a divorce. Uh, Richard Gere... Uh, admits to, <laughs> speaking of actual monsters, uh, admits to his son played by James Franco. And, yeah, that actual monster. Yeah, he's had, uh, he's been with this woman and, cause James Franco's like, oh, you're happy now, weird. Um, and anyways, before they can get back together, Richard Gere dies in a tragic accident. And, oh, no. yeah, James Franco, his son brings, her Diane Lane's character, the letters, and he's like, "Thank you for making my father the man he, you know, he never was." And you know, but because it's a male redemption story, of course, of course, of course. And uh, and then she goes back to the inn at the end, and Rodanthe, and she's all sad because she's lost him, and she sees a bunch of horses on the beach, and it's sign. Um, and this is the very clip, Richard, <laughs> yeah, Doctor Paul. It is so bad, so schmaltzy, so just. Everything you hate about... It's all of Nicholas Sparks' worst instincts mm-hmm. on film. I'm not really here to even talk about the rest of the movie. I just want to focus on Viola, who has three scenes tops. Ugh. But essentially, her character exists to only focus on Diane Lane's problems. And and, and it's, the, it's the worst sort of black best friend character. Right. Like, she's there to be like, oh, your husband wants to get back together? Uh-uh, honey. That's uh, sort of like... Barf, yes, barf. exactly. So what happened? 
Jacket tied to that Miss Flip Curly was reptiling around with behind your back, your best friend? She was not my friend. She was in my carpool. You're my best friend. Don't play me. <laughs> what? The kids want things back to normal, you know? Doing it for the children, huh? Which reminds me, when are you going to send me Miss Amanda so I can out-attitude her attitude and send her home right? <laughs> I wish you would. I wish you would. And you can almost tell that Viola is just bored of doing this. Yeah. She's tired of saying these lines. She's tired of playing this character. But my favorite moment comes midway through the film. She calls to check on her in, and she looks like she's on the set but not a real set, like a soundstage version of how Stella got her groove back. And okay. it's just her and lots of lacy pink curtains on a couch. And she's talking to, to Diane Lane. And Diane Lane's like, I thought you were, you know, uh, having business or whatever. And a man comes over with two champagne glasses and speaks some French and they make out. And oh she has her God. small, like, mo- but this is, but this is the thing, like, and I know earlier you mentioned that one of the things that she hates is that, that these friends are never sexualized or anything, but this feels out of left, because you know nothing about this character. Right. So it's just suddenly like, okay, why am I interested in her, like, slutty vacation? Right. <laughs> She's like, I'm going on a slutty vacation, um, take care of the end. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, uh, but on top of that, I, like, if that character had been written at all, interesting, I would have liked to find more out about the slutty vacation. Yeah, yeah. Like, I would watch the slutty vacation movie. Yeah. And so I don't know. It was just upset. The more I, the deeper I got into this film, I was like, where is Viola? What is Viola uh-huh. doing? Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's bad and awful. And I, I don't really care for Nicholas Sparks adaptations anyways, but this is probably one of the worst ones I've ever right. seen. I mean, so. it's no walk to remember. Yeah. <laughs> it's no Mandy Moore. <laughs> Shane West. Exactly. But what could be? Hey, Richard, Richard Gere. He's no Shane West. Who could be a Shane West? <laughs> There's only one. So sorry, Viola. I have to, I have to give you my one star review for that, but. Um, Okay, I feel very bad about giving this one-star um, review. Oh, I think I know what's coming. It's 2015's Lila and Eve. <laughs> so, what we need to know about Lila and Eve <laughs> is that it is a Juvie production, which is her production company yeah. with her husband, who is also in this movie playing, like, the next-door neighbor, Ben, who's nice and wants to make out with her all the time. <sighs> this movie is insane. Yeah. It like the twist um i i think i realized the twist like very early on i did and i was like oh my god please 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 no 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 please please and then <laughs> Viola, no yeah i was like i was like jennifer lopez no <laughs> um lila and eve uh is a crime drama where um lila uh, viola davis plays lila who is a single mom of these two teens and one of the teens is, uh, like, he's, he's a man now, mom, and let me live, let, and he's at the wrong place, the wrong time, on the street, just like walking home, gets killed in a drive-by shooting. And this movie kind of wants to talk about, like, cops that don't help, right. uh, black murders, but like, really do the most for white people getting murdered. And so you see Lila as a, a grieving mother, attend these like grief circles with other mothers of um, kids who have been killed in violent um, crimes at the grief counseling, you see a Jennifer Lopez appear and you are meant to think that Jennifer Lopez is also, she's lost her daughter 
Um, and, and they're kind of like, um, they, 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 you need to have a sponsor. And so, uh, Violet Davis is like, why don't, why don't I, I'll be your sponsor or you be my, whatever the fuck. They have a relationship. Um, and spoiler alert, but I don't care. Turns out Eve, Jennifer Lopez's character, isn't real. Yes. <laughs> and it does not exist. And is instead this like, I don't know, bad alternate character inside yeah. of Lila's mind who's telling her to like, get justice for yourself. Did they kill the body? I think they killed Temple. We don't know that. You know how I feel. We just talked to them. The last time... Last time you messed up. That's what I was gonna say, okay? Last time I messed up. So this time, it's all you. If you wanna go, we'll go. If you wanna talk to them, we'll talk to them. If we get a name for that cop, I'll, I'll leave the tip. But it's all you. I'm going home. Going home. Literally, we see Viola Davis going onto the street, confronting other black youths, and kill them, and shoot them, and just wreck all sorts of mayhem, while she's kind of having, like, this panic attack thing, but the movie's presented in such a way that, like, you see her and Jennifer Lopez being bad, and getting justice, and uh, cops are kind of, like, on the trail about, like, what's going on, trying to figure out the things that are happening, um... It's just so deeply problematic on yeah. a lot of different ways. And I can see her, um, I can see Viola like getting this script or I don't know how the fuck this movie got to her, like the Juvie Productions desk. Yeah. But her being like, Oh, this woman is complicated. She's grieving. She has Jennifer Lopez as an, like, I don't know, a fucking an alternate personality. Maybe. Right. Um, she's also like, there's like a, a little bit of like sexiness between her and like the neighbor character. Um, so I could see how this is like a more interesting person to play, but oh my god, this is, it's very bad. I couldn't believe that that was the thing. I really thought it was, a, even by itself, a movie about women grieving, mothers grieving for yeah. their kids and, and, uh, violence and, you know, ineffective police. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a really fucked up movie. Um, she's not particularly good in it. Like, I think she's, like, really having to elevate this material that's yeah. not good. And she's, like, doing her best. I feel like that's most of the problem. I feel like that's when she's not great. When she has to give so much. It's it's very nutso and not in a fun way. Not in a, like, cookie yeah. way. Not Like, there's no redeeming things about this movie. And it sucks because this is, like, of the things that she's producing with her husband. Like, it was the first. It too. should not be this. You know, but it's... Baby steps. Did you see anything else that... Because I admit she's been in some bad movies, but I can't, for the life of me, off the top of my head, think of really terrible performances outside of Lila and Eve, so I'm glad you brought it up. Um, Yeah, there's one other one that she did with um, Maggie Gyllenhaal called... Oh, Won't Back Down. Won't Back Down. Yeah, not great, girl. And, again, a movie that is, like... It's, it's hard is in the right place yeah, for the most part. For sure. But like you see the tinkering of Hollywood right. all over this fucking right. movie. The movie is just about like school choice and like trying to have this revolution for like 
charter schools and whatever right. and, uh, school choice. And I, and I also have a big like ugh, about charter schools. So yeah, I, yeah, right. I mean, because I feel like they make public school worse. Right. But whatever. Right. Um, not a great movie. Yeah. Just and, and you you can tell that somebody began writing it as like a mission, and then just a billion other people. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, ugh, even Maggie Gyllenhaal is not good in this, and I'm like, yeah, she's a good actress, but like, barf, gross, did not like it. <laughs> Cool. Well, I mean, I ge- I genuinely can't. I mean, like I said, there's movies I would talk about that I think are are bad movies, but I I have so few mentally bad performances from Viola that I feel right. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, Eat, Pray, Love, not a good yeah, movie. She, yeah, she's barely in it. Yeah, exactly. She's barely in it. We have to talk about Medea goes to jail. Um, do we? We do. <laughs> she's in this, and she plays um like a counselor for like uh drug addicts and like prostitutes, and um. I don't know how the fuck Tyler Perry got Viola Davis. Like, this was before she blew up, and she's um, the best part of this movie. I think I can cover that eye up. We have companies that work with our ministries to get women off the street. That's if you want to be. Who said I wanted to be, huh? Candy, you said that's what you want. Well, I told you. I mean, sometimes women like her say one thing one day, and then they wake up, and they say... Okay, but what you mean, girls like her? You don't even know me! Junkies like you with a problem say one thing one day and another the other because you're on that stuff. You go first. It's that type of movie, and like I like some of those movies. This one is not one of like I hate the movies where he's like, "You don't pray enough and do drugs, you're gonna get AIDS and die." Yeah, because that's a lot of fucking. I was gonna say that's a lot of Tyler. We've talked about it before. We talked about it in his adaptation of Four Colored Girls. Yes, when we did Whoopi. Yeah. Yes. It's yes. Yeah. Um. Some of his movies I enjoy, but this one is not one of them. A majority of them are like this, so <laughs> I'm glad that she has moved on and graduated from the school of Tyler Perry's garbage de- um, movies. So we should move into our five-star reviews, then. I just have to say, I mean, it's Fences. Uh, so I saw this movie by myself in the theater, like in Lower Manhattan, last year. Um, was it last year? Two years ago? Whenever it was. Two years ago, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, two years ago, and... I just was like, and it was a full crowd, majority black audience, and like the energy was crackling, you know, seeing Viola Davis and Denzel on a big screen, just the two of them, majority of the time, really fucking going at it. It was incredible. And I think the choices to make it feel like a a theater play experience only heightens that intimacy. Um, You don't get a lot of like, it, you're right. It does feel like a play on the screen. Uh, you get the benefit of... And and sometimes that we're... And I, I genuinely don't want people to think that that's something I dislike. Uh, there's, there's plenty of films that I think that do a play adaptation and don't do a lot to, to give you... You know, sort of give you that... They sort of give you that um, Brechtian distancing thing, but through the lens of a camera, which you don't often get... But here, that's my, I just, I still, I don't know. I would have liked it a little bit better if I, if I did feel. I think because like the play itself is literally like monologue on monologue. And it's really just like an actor's play, you know, like there's, I mean, the show's called Fences. And so there definitely is like um, this scene and um, there is like a, like set direction to be done here. Um, But it's all just about these characters who are bouncing off each other and the things that they go through. So Fences is about, uh, uh, God, what's his name? Troy. Troy is the, the patriarch of this family. And he was an incredible baseball player 
And, but because of segregation and racism, he never amounts to anything. And he is now a trash collector and he is a pain in the ass. He is stubborn. He is proud. He's a drunk. He is a cheater. He's a liar. Um, but no one's going to tell Troy nothing. And, and this is his house and it's his rules and it's his way of the highway. He's had, um, previous relationships where he has grown sons. Um, he's with Rose now. Rose is played by Viola Davis. And the story is just about, um, you know, they have a son together and he does, and this son is being recruited to go play college football. But Troy is adamant that he not get involved in it. He says, you know, they're never going to let you play. And they keep telling him, Troy, times are changing. There are black players playing baseball now. There are black players and all sorts of things. And Troy is too proud and too angry, resentful to the world that he believes mistreated him. And probably did, you know. But he can't let that go. And so he lashes out against Rose and his son. Um, Yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but there is a big betrayal that happens. There's an incredible scene where uh, Viola Davis just really gets into it. And again, the temperature is just so right. It, it never feels like scenery chewing to me. No, no, not at and, all. And I think a lot of actors would just like go for it. I mean, for the, there is one huge scene for Rose yeah. um, and a really long monologue and where she's just like battling against Troy played by Denzel Washington. No fucking hack either. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and she not only rises to the occasion, she kind of just like envelops all of it. And you can see Denzel Washington acting against her and just reacting. And she, and I, I saw, I re- um, watched it and I was just thinking about all the choices she's making. Um, there's a moment when she like almost falls while she gets this news from him. Um, she is so emotional. And she's said in interviews before, she's like, when I cry, snot comes out of my nose and that's just what it is that's the reaction and so she's crying snots everywhere she's like wiping it away and it's not easy for me to admit that i've been standing in the same place for 18 years well i've been standing with you i've been right here with you troy i got a life too i gave 18 years of my life to stand in the same spot as you don't you think i ever wanted other things don't you think i had dreams and hopes what about my life what about me don't you think ever crossed my mind to want to know other men that I wanted to lay up somewhere and forget about my responsibilities? That I wanted someone to make me laugh so I could feel good. You're not the only one who's got wants and needs, but I held on to your toy. I took all my feelings, my wants and needs and dreams, and I buried them inside you. I planted a seed and watched and prayed over. I planted myself inside you and waited to bloom. It didn't take me no 18 years to realize the soil was hard and rocky and it wasn't never gonna bloom. But I held on to you, Troy. I held you tighter. You was my husband. I owed you everything I had, every part of me I could find to give you. In the theater, I remember it just being like, dead silent because we were watching a master at work yeah um it's fucking incredible um it's so this movie is on um amazon prime right now so it is easy to watch uh it's uh and and again not only just seeing like 
some of the best uh, black actors in America right now, but like the best actors we actors, have. Period. Yeah, period. Yeah. Um, and it's incredible because this entire production is uh same cast, same everything from the play. Yeah. Um. So and I and I think that was a great choice. Too. Yeah. Like yeah. A lot of people don't. I mean, I I never saw a play. Like a lot of people that do not have the opportunity to watch plays of this caliber with this yeah. caliber talent, and so it's such a gift that um. You know, Scott Rudin and all the producers were like, let's just bring it over. And, and Denzel, like, I mean, yeah. and when she wins her Oscar, she like talks just so lovingly about these people in the process. And it's, uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to feel a bit like a hack, but I feel like the only other option then is doubt. Yeah. Is doubt. And doubt's not even a movie I love. I'll be honest. And I, I would have loved to have seen the version of doubt, the filmic version of doubt that had Cherry Jones in the Meryl Streep role. Because that's how it was uh, done on Broadway. But the, but I think her performance in Doubt is, I don't think that movie would have gotten as much attention without it yeah. either. And that movie really was, was really big, heavy awards, you know, a lot of chatter about it and everybody talking about everything else. But really the, the, the focused center is her yeah. in this one nine minute scene. Yeah. And, and I feel bad because she's definitely done great movies since then. I don't, I don't want to boil her career down to this one star making turn, but really that's, this is what launched that. And I, I, I feel it deserves the credit for that. Doubt is a film about Philip Seymour Hoffman. It plays a priest. Um, he's accused of molesting a child, um, having inappropriate relations, relations yeah. with the child. And I was going to say, it never, never really fully goes full explanation. Yeah. The, um, the whole, I mean, it's all about doubt, right. right? Like even like the beginning of the the show, he gives this sermon, yeah, whatever, whatever pastors priests do, um, <laughs> and he's talking about like you know the consequences of doubt, yeah, and uh, and like that's the spark that lights, yeah, Meryl Streep's character. So Meryl Streep is this sort of busybody nun who hears this rumor that he's had inappropriate relations with this child. Um, and she begins the process of, of attempting to dig out, find the truth of, of what has occurred and here. And it's significant that the child is the only black student yes. in the school. He's the first black student to be like moved over into this and, and Catholic school. And the added layer of when Viola Davis is introduced, Viola Davis plays his mother. She has a, a, it's not really even a confrontation with her. I mean, it becomes a confrontation, but it starts out as a conversation yeah. um, where Meryl Streep is essentially telling her that she's worried about this possible relationship that Philip Seymour Hoffman has uh, with her son. And the twist comes when Viola Davis basically says, So you give my son to blame. Oh, no problem. My son getting blamed. And you know why that you is. Should let me talk. I Sister, you ain't going now. against no man in a robe and win. He's got the position. And he's got your son. Let him have him then. What? It's just till June. Do you know what you're saying? No more about it than you. I believe this man is creating, or may have already brought about, an improper relationship with your son. I don't know. I know. I am right. Why you gotta know something like that for sure when you don't? What kind of mother are you? Excuse me, but you don't know enough about life to say a thing like I this. I know sister. enough. 
you know, the rules maybe, but that don't cover it. I know what I won't accept. You accept what you got to accept and you work with it. This man is in my school. Well, he's got to be somewhere. Maybe he he's doing some good too. After the boys. Well, maybe some of them boys want to get caught. Essentially, he says, my son needs a man to love him. Yeah. Because she essentially is saying she knows that her son probably is gay. Yeah. And that his father does not like him and beats him and is awful. And she she says, you know, my son likes the father. Yeah. And he's nice to him. He's nice to him. And it, if he can just stay in school until June and graduate and he needs love from a man somewhere in his life. And it's hard. It's hard to watch. It's, it's fucking rough. It's, it's so rough. And it's not the layer you expect mm-hmm. when that occurs. Um, and she really gives it her all in that scene. I don't want to get too much further into what happens in the film after that, because I mean, it's all sort of liquid and and I don't, I don't want to give too much away. I mean, it's a very famous film, but that scene, um, if you leave that scene without having your heart torn into at least eight pieces, I don't. Suffice to say, Meryl Streep's character does not like her response. No, she is uh, stunned. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just, it's two brilliant actors really mm-hmm. giving their all mm-hmm. and, and doing something. I don't know. It's a, a synthesis of every, you know, there's great camera work in that scene. It's really beautiful direction. And, and they're just, it's, it's funny because the only reason I would give that the, the head over fences is I also think that the filming is really beautiful in that and that scene it's, the editing is really great and it's funny because like um meryl streep is doing the most meryl streep yes like, yeah. she has an accent she's like it's a character that she can yeah. really lose herself in this like, is why i really wish i could see the cherry jones version but whatever <laughs> and, it, and it's almost like you get meryl doing her meryl thing like yeah. it's not like because sometimes you see meryl just like playing versions of meryl yeah, yeah this is her like losing herself as a character and then you get viola who and, and we don't even know this yet, but like after this performance, we're going to see Viola doing her thing. Yeah. Which is giving you layers and shades. Yeah. Of, of motherhood. You yeah. You know, and, and of, of conflicted motherhood. And, and this is to say like as human beings, nobody is 100% strong, 100% vulnerable all the time. And I think that often actors latch onto stuff like that. They see the meat. Of, you know, like, this person is this way, so I'm gonna be that for the entire scene, or they're this way, and, and she really layers, this is a good way of putting it, like, she wants you to see what's on the surface, but also, like, what's directly underneath, and yeah. what's directly underneath that, what's directly underneath that, Yeah, and it's hard, it's not an easy thing to do, yeah. but she makes it look easy. Yeah, you see in this movie specifically the worries of her as a mother. And then you see like the worries about like, listen, you're like a white nun lady talking to like black people. And yeah. we know that our position and like what can possibly happen to us. Um, and we're just trying to get through. Yeah. If she's like, if nothing's, nothing's wrong, nothing's really wrong. Right. Yeah. Like it's fine. So like, what the fuck like are you fucking with us for? <laughs> like leave <laughs> yeah. us alone. Meryl Streep. Le- leave us alone. <laughs> Take your busy body. Move it away. Right. Um, yeah, I just, I just really like that performance. And, uh, I do feel a little bit like a hack saying that, but I, I don't know. No, it's the truth. I mean, it, doubt is incredible. And she's, uh, she's the true star of that movie. Are there any other films that you saw that you think could hold a candle to the, the absolute force of nature that is Viola? Um, I have to just really quickly say that, um, I watched Prisoners for the first time. Yeah. The movie on a whole is very good. 
Um, I was, I was very happy to watch it. Um, she's not a large part of it, but, um, again, she, she takes her scene <laughs> she and does. she fucking kills it. Yeah. She's so good at that. She really is. Um, the other one that I wanted to mention is Antoine Fisher. Mm. She's really particularly good and she plays his mother and she goes through a lot in that movie in terms of she gets a point in the film where she basically can't even speak, but it, there is such depth to the performance. And it's funny because we've talked about how she, she can sort of pick her moments and she, you know, she has a lot of that taken away from her there. When you, when you take away a lot of her physicality and a lot of her, um, you know, vocals and, and, right. but she's, it's very, it's a very touching, um, uh, performance. And I, uh, I had friends who, who mentioned that they genuinely, the year that that came out, thought that she would be nominated for, um, uh, best supporting actress, even though this was way before that, you know, she was ever really on people's radar. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, I think that's a, that's a good, mark of the fact that you know she's she's been given these great performances for years it just took a while for the populace to to really yeah to get it to like come around to her and give her more opportunities to really shine let's do our mixed reviews review right so my one star review is 2015's lila and eve and my one star review was 2008's nights in rodanthe my five star review is 2016's fences and my five star review was 2008's doubt so are both of yours from the same year? Wow. Yeah. She's got the range. She got the range. <laughs> She's got exactly. the range. I'm sorry. She does. She does. She has it. Uh, so let's get into our fast forward. We have a special fast forward for us this episode, right? Yes. So uh, bef- before we move into our actual fast forward, which will be brief because the we have this additional part, I did get a chance to sit down with my good friends from the This Had Oscar Buzz podcast yes, love because them. they've actually seen her new film, Widows, which comes out this Friday. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for this movie. And she's been on the on the circuit talking about the movie. Um, there's a lot of like badass women. Um, she's married to Liam Neeson in the movie. Yeah. She apparently gets some, like, sexy time, some badass time. I was gonna say, they answered a lot of those questions. Uh Uh-huh. Um, awesome, great. Um, so let's get into that. I knew I could call in some ringers who had seen the film, some experts, if you will. So I got my good friends from This Had Oscar Buzz, a fabulous podcast, which you should subscribe to if you haven't yet. Today I'm here with freelance entertainment writer, Chris File. Hello. And senior writer at Decider.com, Joe Reed. What? Shut up. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for doing this. I am so excited. And I'm a huge fan of your show, by the way. I've been a big fan since you started. So I'm very well, happy to finally get you on. Back at you. We love your show. So oh, stop. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I know. I know. So you both had a chance to see Widows already. I'm assuming you both saw it in Toronto. Yes. Yes. Did you see Two seats together? away from each other. Oh. We saw it together, which I think Joe could probably attest to seeing this movie with me specifically was a whole other different experience. <laughs> like, seeing it two seats away from me was an accidental 4DX yeah, experience. it really was. Because <laughs> like, your seat's moving, it, there's some shaking, yeah. I couldn't sit still during this movie. I, it was so tense, and I was very into it, and, like, I was just about leaping out of my chair this is my big recommendation for widows to everybody's listening see this movie with as many of your friends as you can manage it's such a great crowd movie like see it in a full room honestly 
Oh, this is good. This is all makes me very happy because I've been looking forward to this film because I mean, I, I really like Steve McQueen. I haven't loved all of his films. I'll be honest, but I, I do really like the fact that he, I don't know. He takes chances um, in a, in a way that a lot of other filmmakers don't. And this is yeah. an odd film for him. It's based off an eighties mini series from England. Um, and just the combination of him and Viola Davis. And then, I don't know. The rest of the cast, it it uh, it's all seems so bonkers. The fact that there's no Michael Fassbender at all is like a brave <laughs> new world for Steve McQueen. Like, honestly. Very strange. I thought it was going to be like J.K. Simmons in a Jason Reitman movie where you would hear <laughs> Michael Fassbender on a phone. Right, right. But he is not on a phone. Yeah. No, the cast is fully insane. We're like to the point where like... Carrie Coon shows up at one point, and I'm like, oh, right. Like, I had fully forgotten that I was even anticipating her because there's so many other people who it's just like Colin Farrell and, you know, Robert Duvall or, you know, the shell of Robert Duvall, I will say. like <laughs> The shell I, of Robert Duvall because they fully just showed up at Robert Duvall's house and started filming. That's what I um, said. <laughs> what did I say when we were walking out? I was like, I can't believe they just, like, didn't tell Robert Duvall they were making a movie. Um to what Joe is saying, where it's like you even forget you're watching that Carrie Coon is in this movie. I will say, like, one of my small quibbles with the movie is that, like, quite literally, if someone says anything in this movie, it is a recognizable face. At least to, like, people like us who watch a lot of movies. Yeah. But, like, Garrett Dillahunt is Viola Davis's driver. <laughs> yeah. I do want to know about Viola's performance because it is a lead. Uh, she has to have chemistry with Liam Neeson, which, I mean, I I would love that. Yeah. Let me just say, this isn't a spoiler because it's, like, the opening shot of the movie. This movie opens with some chemistry with her and Liam Neeson. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It is there. It is front and center and present. I love this as a as a Viola Davis movie because this is a full on she gets to give a movie star performance in this movie. It is so uh-huh. great just to see her like she, we know she's a great actress, but there's there's movies where we're here to watch her act sometimes. Like Fences she's fantastic, but you know when you show up to Fences, you're just like, "All right, I'm going to see some acting here. I'm going to see some Viola Davis acting. And what you get in Widows is just a no-fuss movie star performance. She carries this movie, and this is a movie that is, as we just mentioned, filled to the brim with recognizable actors, all giving great performances, doing a very, like, there's very good ensemble work happening. And on top of all of that, Viola Davis is still carrying this movie as a movie movie star. And... As we we were talking uh, before we started about how many movies she's played, the doctor, the cop, right. the friend, the mom, the you know just these these roles that are there to sort of populate the the general atmosphere of the movie. And now this is a movie where it gets to be like, hey, Viola Davis is a goddamn movie star, and you are here to watch her, and you cannot take your eyes off of her, and it's everything she's ever deserved. It's so good. She's also several different kinds of movie stars in this movie because Widows, like, at least a lot of the way that it's already being discussed or the way that it's being sold to audiences is a little bit reductive for what it is and that it just seems like it's this heist thriller. But it actually does have a lot going on. There's 
political elements. It's kind of like a women's picture, like a melodrama as well. And like she has to kind of don a lot of different genre hats in this movie for it to work. And she does. So she's like a movie star of several different genres in one performance. It's really breathtaking. So do you think that this is a an opportunity for her to get nominated for the Oscar this year? We sort of had this conversation on our last podcast a little bit, didn't we, Chris? A little bit. I mean, it's such a tough Best Actress year uh, to the point where I'm like, I really love this performance. Obviously, I've already been really effusive in the past comments I've made. Um, and, like, it's just so tough. Like, I definitely would have to see this movie again. I think it's... I think it's going to go over well with audiences, but I think because it's so violent and because people are already kind of quick to say that this movie is more so going for box office than awards, I think the movie's going to have to make some money and that would definitely help. Yeah. But I do think she is the performance as far as like how good is she? Like she's great enough to get a nomination. Certainly. It's something that's going to end up having a little bit of genre prejudice against it. Where like even a movie like the departed, which I think is the sort of gold standard for a movie like what widows is and it's Oscar hopes. Like you would want to be obviously do as well as The Departed did. But even The Departed, only one acting nomination, and it wasn't for any of the leads. Like, I think Matt Damon is yep. so great in The Departed, and it's weird that there was no awards attention, but I think it's po part of that is the leads in a popcorn movie are expected to be, as I was mentioning for Viola, like, they're the movie stars. They're the ones sort of right. holding it up with their persona and their charisma, and I think... Awards voters, and particularly Oscar voters, tend to look for that acting. And so I think sometimes just holding up a movie with the sheer force of all of your, you know, if you're pulling all of the elements together, it sometimes doesn't look like you're doing one thing strenuously. It's not particularly showy. And I think this year, you've got you know, Lady Gaga and Glenn Close and Melissa McCarthy. I like all of, I like to love all of these performances, but I think they're all bringing something. They've all got more of a hook, I think, than what Viola is doing here. And I think that might ultimately come down to it. But I would say she is no worse right now than like seventh place on this. Like she's in the mix <laughs> yeah. for sure. I mean, I think there is a certain element of as extreme as Steve McQueen's films are, they are very workmanlike, and you can tell that his ensembles show up to work and, like, focus on what the work is. Um, even though we've called her, like, a capital M movie star in this movie, there is a certain level of modesty to what everybody is doing, and that is everybody is serving the larger story. That, I mean, that's tough because of the uh, how many people you've you've sort of mentioned cross the you know the path of this film, but that's yeah. that's really interesting. Uh, going forward, where do you think that you know where do you think that this is going to fit sort of in Viola's larger film career, and also uh, what do you sort of hope for uh, in her future? I feel like this one will probably loom pretty large. I think it's a especially if the movie does really well financially, which I think it will. I think. For as much as, you know, we love her and we've, you know, thrown awards at her and we've talked about her, you know, at where she belongs, I think, in the elite class of actresses. But she really doesn't have a whole lot of unabashed lead roles on her filmography, which is, like, too bad, like, fully too bad and awful. But, like, 
this is most certainly the most she's ever like commanded a movie. And I think because of that, I think it's going to loom very large for it. And I think people are going to, especially if this movie does well, that's the other reason why, like, bring people to this movie, see it opening weekend, drive up the box office for this movie. We need to make the idea of a, you know, Viola Davis fronted movie the most lucrative thing in Hollywood so that they'll keep doing it because we deserve that as a movie going public. And she certainly does. And she's certainly showing she can handle a lot of different type of like, like I mentioned genres in a single role. So it's like, where's the future? I think she could be headlining any different number of movies. I want to see a Viola Davis romantic comedy. I want to see Viola Davis action movie where she's not a cop. I want to see, you know, the whole gamut where I would really like to see her keep moving is this feels like the first time she's, it's not just a lead role, but it's also the first time she's really worked with an auteur with Steve McQueen. Um, and he is really attuned to what her gifts are and letting them shine and kind of getting out of the way of them that I think he does with a lot of his actors. Um, and I would really like to see her work with, you know, a lot of visionary filmmakers like him. How dare but, you, David Ayer is a. <laughs> I want everything for Viola Davis, though. I just think she's truly an astounding talent. So, yep. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. I really appreciate you coming on the show and taking time out of your evening. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where we can find you online? First, you can find our podcast, This Head Oscar Buzz. We are on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, you can find us on our Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. We also host on a Tumblr, which is this had Oscar Um, my personal account. Again, I am Chris file. You can find me on Twitter at Chris V file. I'm also on letterboxd at Chris V file, where we have our log of all of the films we've done. And I also write regularly for the film experience and hopefully elsewhere. Yeah, all that stuff me. that Chris said about the podcast. Also, I'm on Twitter, at Joe Reed. Reed is spelled R-E-I-D. Same with me on Letterboxd. And every day you can find me writing about film and television at Decider.com. Well, thank you both so much. I really do love your podcast. And I, I'm so happy to see you guys be very, very successful. It is not a jealousy thing at all. <laughs> We love you guys. We like well, honestly. We, we mutual plan appreciation. To have you on very soon. Yeah. Oh yes. yeah. Absolutely. Look forward to that coming soon. Absolutely. And thank you for having us as well. This was so much fun. Yeah. And I mean, twist our arms to talk about Viola Davis. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> thank you again, Louis. What are you looking forward to in the future from Viola? One thing that I really want to know is: Is Viola Davis maybe funny? I I feel very much the same. I feel like we're on the same wavelength of this. Like I, she's very good at what she does, yeah. and I I want all the opportunities for her. Yeah, but I think it would also be I would love to see like a, a like a just like a pure romance or even a rom com. Yes, I want a rom com. I really do. I want like a good second act rom com. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, like maybe she's a woman who's divorced. Maybe she's not. Maybe she's a late bloomer. Yeah. You know, she meets a man. I know? want like Amanda Waller takes vacation. <laughs> Amanda Waller takes vacation. Take some time yeah. off. Like honestly, like any movie that like. <laughs> Like, Radiant Diane Lane is getting. Yeah. I want, like, 
I want uh, Under the Tuscan Sun for Viola. Right. You thank you, thank you. Because I was like, but we, I don't want her in a Knights of Rodanthe, but not wrong. No, no, no. Yeah, I, but like, I want her uh, j- just like in a. I, I, I could even see her doing like uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, like yeah, because she is a badass, but like a good one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like just thinking, like anything that Angelina Jolie does, yeah. Viola Davis could, could do, do, yeah, and kill it. And I wonder if. Like, we've seen her be kind of like a, I mean, we're, we've seen her being ruthless badass in Amanda yeah. Waller. Um, I'm assuming we'll see some of that also in Widows. Um, and I wonder if like, we can kind of get like the best of both worlds. Um, less angry, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, Viola version, which I think would be interesting. You know what I'd also love? And this is a little out of left field, but I like that a lot of more modern adaptations are doing a sort of gender blind casting. I'd love to see her as the lead in a Shakespeare thing. Anything like oh, maybe yeah. like a Prospero and the Tempest or something, oh, so, yeah. you know, something that's like real gravitas to it because she can, we know she can bring that. And I really want her to, to, you know, be able to play in that playground. I think also I just like, she's talked a lot about like, just Hollywood doesn't give a lot of women like her opportunities just to be like, pretty right and girly yeah and i would to be a woman yeah, yeah and i would just love for her to like ha- i mean in god in uh lila and eve there is one moment where like she gets she does her makeup and they're going out dancing and i was like wow we don't really get to see viola davis doing this specifically yeah. and that's how you know it's a juvie production because she's like i'm going to my character a dark-skinned black woman is going to put on makeup put on a tight dress and go dancing with jennifer lopez absolutely like and i want that um, even more for her. She can literally just fucking do anything. Yeah. Like that, I mean, honestly, if they announced tomorrow that she was Optimus Prime in Transformers, I'd be like, sure, yep. whatever. Yep. Yeah, it's Viola. Correct. Correct, yeah. Does she have anything in the pipeline beyond? She um, she does. So she has an untitled Harriet Tubman project. Um, I want to say it's um an HBO thing. It might not be. But I know that she was trying to get a Harriet Tubman project off the ground. Um, and there's also something on her IMDb called Troop Zero, um, which says it's a comedy. Uh-oh. So maybe we will get our wish and see some... Oh, apparently Allison Janney's also in this. So can't wait. She also uh, announced on March 1st that she'd be starring alongside Lupita Nyong'o in The Woman King. Film will tell the story of... Uh, the general of an all-female military unit who's played by Davis and her daughter, Nawi, played by Nyong'o. So, oh, like, cool. that's a great... That is yeah, immaculate casting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so she's she's got a lot of things coming down. She's not slowing down anytime soon. And it's funny, because you, you talked about this at the, at the very top of this. She's got a lot still going on. You know, yeah. it's not... There's no way that Viola Davis is going anywhere. Absolutely. And I, I think... She, you know, in these 10 years that she's been famous, famous, yeah, she, you know, she's made a name for herself that's going to go down in history. Absolutely. And, and it's only going to get better. We, we have so much left of her. And Absolutely. I, and I'm so happy. <laughs> and that being said, I'm excited about Widows as well. Yeah. Too. Yeah. We'll go watch it this weekend. Absolutely. Cool. Well, anyways, uh, that wraps up Viola Davis, who is a true queen. A true queen. And if you need to find us online, us at The Mixed Reviews, yeah. you can find us on Twitter at, at The Mixed Reviews. We're on Facebook, just at The Mixed Reviews. You can email us at reviewsmixed at gmail.com. And you can find us at all your friendly podcast stores, oh, iTunes, yeah. iHeartRadio, S- Stitcher, uh, 
Spotify, anything your kids are using nowadays. Um, the youth. And if you want, as a big favor to me, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes mm-hmm. or Apple Podcasts because it helps other people find us. Yeah, and leave a, leave us a nice little review. Yeah, you know? leave us a little love note. Tell Louie uh, how great he looks right oh now. Oh my god, thank you, Gavin. No problem. So That's what I'm here for. <laughs> um, but until next time, goodbye, everybody. Bye, thanks for listening. In the water Cause God's gonna trumble